All right. Good morning, and welcome to the second version of Friday with Mooney Lions. Part of our commitment in the crazy environment we're in to uh, keep you guys informed, try and get you some insight from portfolio managers and economists, and stay in front of everything that's happening. So, just a heads up: this call is being recorded. Like I said, this is the second installment of Friday with Mooney Lions. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a chat with some folks from Janice Henderson in Delaware. This week, we have Walt Zeiske with us from AB Global. Next Friday, we're going to be doing a call with an economist that's going to talk about some international investing with COVID-19 happening and what that landscape might look like. And then on May 1st, we will also be doing a call with some fixed income opportunities in the market. I see a few of you have your cameras on. You're welcome to leave them on. You don't need them on. We will not be joining by camera. There's this is just audio only, but it's nice to see some smiling faces. Hope everybody is safe and sound inside their house. Got a little snow last night, so we're ready to head into spring here. For our clients that have been with us for a while, you'll recognize the name, AB Global. It's also known as Alliance Bernstein. Keith, Joe, and I, from 20 years ago, have had a relationship with Alliance Bernstein, and it's been a very good one and very, very well played back and forth. So I wanted to introduce our speaker with us today, Walt Zeiske. Walt is the uh, Senior Vice President and Senior Investment Strategist at Alliance Bernstein. Walt, are you with us? I am, Jeff. Can you hear me okay? Yep, we can hear you great. Thanks for joining us. Sure. So let's just jump right into it. We've had a, a bit of a crazy ride here, starting from the highs in mid-February, longest bull market straight into a bear market, and about 14 mm -hmm. days later back into a bull market. So give us a little bit of insight into the market, what you're seeing, what you're thinking. Um, we'll go from there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's never dull, is it, Jeff? Right? Yeah. When you put this in a context in terms of where we came into the year, you noted this in some of your earlier comments. But when you look at 2019, that was if you just look at the S&P 500, it was the second best year we've had since the uh, late 1990s. 2017 being the only exception. Uh, 97 before that. So you know, quite quite a good year. But coming into the year we were effectively seeing that the stock prices in a lot of cases had reached levels that we were still finding opportunities, but just not that many because they had a fairly expensive price tag on them. We had the Federal Reserve lowering rates. We had better tone, if you will, on, on the trade tariffs that were a bit of a concern into late 2008 and early part of 2019. So it seemed as if things were coming along pretty nicely, but we did acknowledge that valuations or stock prices, that is, were you know had price tags on them that were were a bit expensive. So what we had, we, none of us foreseen something as pernicious as the coronavirus, and we know that that has had not just an impact on economic growth, it's also had knock-on effects in terms of what the stock and bond markets have done in many cases, and most importantly, its impact on society. So what do we see ahead? trying to forecast, we call it the dismal science, which is effectively trying to make economic forecasts or what you think a current company is going to earn. That's become even murkier, but uh, we do have a point of view. We know that this has been an unprecedented shock. First, it started out as a supply shock coming out of China because they're a much bigger part of the uh, supply chain in terms of what they export. And we buy a lot of goods from China, other countries do too. Then it translated its way into a demand shock where many of us are at home. <laughs> we can't go to movie theaters. We can't go to sporting events, restaurants. We've never seen anything like this. On the other hand of that, what we also have never seen is the degree of monetary support. This is, in other words, the Federal Reserve 
hitting this with a series of kitchen sinks. And as one of my colleagues likes to say, they're probably building a couple more if need be just to keep the financial plumbing going. So think about getting mortgage loans or auto loans, things of that ilk. Because what happened in 2008 was the credit markets effectively seized up where money was not flowing in the system. People couldn't get money to just run their day-to-day business. That has not been the case. The Federal Reserve Bank has acted swiftly and aggressively. And now we've also had a a tremendous amount of fiscal stimulus in terms of aid to small businesses, et cetera. So as unprecedented as the shock has been, it's been met with an equal uh, amount in terms of being unprecedented in terms of financial support. Now, how do we get there? Clearly, we're in a recession now in terms of what this has caused. Our expectation is is that we do have a recovery as we look towards the back half of the year. And in the 2021, not explosive recovery, but a lot of this is just dictated in terms of the progression of the coronavirus, which on a relative basis, it's good to see that some of the hot spots, be it Italy, be it Spain, even in our country, Washington State, San Francisco is an example where the cases are in New York. Case count is moderating. It's still horrible, but nonetheless, things are improving. And I think that's where you've seen the stock market, as an example, have a better tone to it. Great. Perfect. On that topic, moving into a little bit of equities, I wanted to talk a little bit through a few of the portfolios that that you manage with us. Some of the portfolios we have with you are they're called SMAs, separately managed accounts. In layman's terms, that's kind of a, a, an individual going out and kind of hiring a private portfolio manager. And that's, that's some of the products we use with you. And I've heard you speak a couple of times here in the last month. And one of the things you talk about is being active and selective. You know, you don't want to own all the sectors. Maybe energy and travel and leisure and airlines aren't necessarily the spot you want to be right now. So if you could spend a little bit of time, what active and selective kind of means to you and kind of how you, you invest in that environment. Right. So being selective really means, and you, you hit on this, Jeff, that if you just buy the broad index, Yes, you're going to get access to some of these companies who have what we call durable business models and who have the financial strength to ride out a storm like this. But on the other hand, in other cases, you're, you're not. <laughs> you think about something like just the broad S&P, you think of someone like Amazon versus made department stores, right? Big difference in terms of how they're lining up in terms of their rate of growth and how they're going to get through on the other side of this. So when we mean active and selective, that means just in plain English, we want to be good stock pickers. We view this as a market of stocks, not a stock market. So that means we're not going to look for our 350th or 550th best idea because there's just not that many companies that we think are going to be on the right side of change, even before this coronavirus hits. But we really think that that's even more important now. You noted a couple of industries, be it the cruise industry or um, some of the other parts of the market where people are going to think twice about going. So we're going for these companies that would have durable business models and are going to be on the right side of change, where the demand for their service is going to be very strong over the next three to five years. And well, we'll take a thematic approach with that. So what I mean specifically is, if you look at certain parts of the economy, they're growing much faster than just the overall growth rate of the economy. And I'll give you a couple of examples on that just to kind of put a finer point on it. So if you were to look at some of the uh, themes or areas where we're finding great opportunity, it's in some of these companies that have um, what we call a fortified franchise. One of the names we have is the Bright Horizons. They are a daycare and childcare provider. 65% of the working women, and this will really become prominent once we get back to normal, have children under six years old. Childcare revenues are growing at 18% a year. 
versus where we have an expected growth rate next year, roughly 3% for the U.S. We look at the, this whole move to fifth-generation wireless technology, where mobile data traffic is growing at a compound annual rate of 46% a year. That's not going to go away. And now that we're all working from home, we want to make sure our internet connections are strong. So we're looking for these companies that could make the fiber optic cable work faster, where we don't get our interruptions, calls come through clearly. Sienna is one of those companies that we invest in that are making all those what we call optical gear. It's kind of technical stuff, but it makes the fiber optics work faster. So if you're watching a basketball game, once those resume, you're not getting any interruption or latency. We want to find these companies that have this very good growth path, but also have the financial discipline to where their balance sheets are strong. They can weather this out and it allows them to reinvest back in the company and to continue to grow. But there's going to be some companies that if their financial strength isn't there, in some cases, Jeff, they're just not going to make it. And we want to be very selective. And that means being active also means you have to use a discerning lens and you're not going to find, as I said, 550 great ideas. I love the idea of the theme investing. Are you finding other opportunities in, in any other types of themes or what kind of, uh, from a top-down approach, makes you decide which theme you want to go into? You know, we know the deal with technology right now. What kind of drives that decision of from the top-down big picture, what kind of themes you're looking at? Yeah, so where we'll start, Jeff, is we'll look at things we call these mega trends, all right? These are things that are evergreen that are 10 years plus that aren't going to change anytime soon. So you mentioned one of them, technological innovation being one. What's going on with demographics, especially in our country? Uh, if you go back to 1981, and I'm one of them, <laughs> your oldest baby boomer in 1981 was 35 years old. Uh, now they're 73 or 74 years old, and the needs and circumstances changes, obviously, with that. What's going on in terms of sustainability, in terms of monitoring uh, pollution? And, our, and, and then from that, we go into some of these themes. Consumer care is one of those. If you look in terms of what healthcare, innovation is alive and well. And what I mean by that, if you go back to 2010, the number of drugs that came to market by the FDA that were approved were 21 new drug therapies and biologics. Last year, it was 48. So, you know, we've got an aging demographic. And what we're looking for are those companies that can provide a higher degree of healthcare that's less invasive, lowers the cost, Right. It is very, very innovative where the demand for their service is going to be key. You take what we're dealing with now is in coronavirus. This is one of the newer additions that we have to uh, one of our portfolios is LabCorp. They're an operator of a number of testing and diagnostic labs in terms of doing if it's blood testing, tissue testing, you name it. And now with this coronavirus, there's going to be even a higher need even going forward because if we have the risk of another pandemic, someone like that is going to enable a better standard of care, get answers quicker get test results back faster. And that's something where even before this coronavirus broke out, that was a name that we were investing in. Another one too is BioRad Laboratories. It's just by a single drop of blood, you could monitor uh, whether a, a single cell tumor is either cancerous or not and see its progression versus taking an actual tissue sample, which is not a fun experience. And you have to wait forever. We find opportunities in other areas, you know, in terms of what we see for, for water and waste treatment. Xylem started off as a water desalinization company, but they, caught, they bought a company called Census. And a lot of municipalities, we saw what happened in Flint, Michigan a few years ago. Our water infrastructure is old, but we lose 16% of our water supply to pipe leaks and breaks. 
that's over a trillion gallons of water per year that we're losing just to pipe leaks. Well, those meters that census that Xylem owns, they could detect stress points in water mains. You could dispatch a crew, fix it, as opposed to just retrofitting the whole system. These are companies where there's a real need, but then these companies can deliver to, to provide and take care of that service. And the, one of the others that we just recently added was Tesla. We think we're in the early adoptions in terms of electronic vehicles and what they've done in terms of fortifying their financial strength and their lead in terms of market share. We think that we're just in the early stages of adoption to where that, that's a company that can really have, no pun intended, a high degree of traction. So those are a few other ideas. Great. Love it. So entering 2020, some would argue the economy was chugging along just about as good as it could. And I know you guys had some cash on the sidelines a little bit. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. just briefly about why that was there and if it's still there or, or where the opportunities found it. Right. So the, the portfolio that we're referring to specifically to your point, Jeff, yes, coming into the year, uh, we had about 10% in cash. The reason that drove that was we're looking for, again, when we look at how stocks are priced, we build in based on what we think they can earn. And then from that, it's like, all right, what's the expected return? If I'm buying at the stock at this price, what's the expected return on that stock, say, for the next three to five years on average? And typically, we're looking for companies uh, based on, we say, okay, we think they could earn X. We think this is the amount of profit they can generate. We're looking for companies that are going to give us an annualized return of anywhere from 10 to 12% in terms of profit growth. Coming into this year, based on the work we were doing and where stocks were priced after 2019, such a strong monster year up, we were seeing things like 8, 10% expect a return. And to us, rather than try to you know, fit a square peg into a round hole, we were like, no, we're not. So that was one of the parts. The other element was at these price levels, the markets in our view were that shock resistant. We're coming into an election year, and then it's going to promise to be contentious. It really started getting really, really tough. It's never an easy game, politics, but it got the little, little uh, contentious in 2016. We think that's going to be the case here. And when you consider where valuations were, to us, the markets, from our perspective, just weren't that shock resistant, hence the cash level. Since that time, since the markets have sold off so fiercely, that gave us an opportunity to use some of that cash. So we've taken that cash down to about you know, say six and a half, seven percent. We've used some of that money to take advantage of these stocks at a, at a lower price, but we're still keeping some powder dry because we still think that this volatility, when you see this high degree of volatility, typically, Jeff, it doesn't go away anytime soon. And we still see some risks. Yes, we are getting some better news, but we still have a long way to go and a lot of damage to the overall economy has been done. And that has consequences down the line for certain businesses in terms of demand for your product. So we're being very disciplined. Yes, we're being opportunistic. We use some of that cash because it's what you'd expect us to do, buy what it's on sale. But at the same time, we're keeping some reserves on the sideline because if the volatility picks up, say we start going back with the market, it's up strong today. But if we start, say, for example, retesting the lows that we saw in March, We've got some money to take advantage of that where we're not going to be completely exposed. Okay. So the portfolio we've been spending a little time on is about a 50 stock portfolio. And we may have a client saying, yeah, sounds great, but holding just 50 stocks is feels a little risky to me still. I know you guys have more of a risk, not risk averse, but risk controlled strategy you use too. Do you want to just touch on that for a minute? Right. So we want to go about this in a way that's uh, I, I call it risk aware. <clears throat> and um, that could come down to 
the, the limits that we put on how much we're going to put in a particular industry or sector. It means, you know, we want to limit the position size of, of, of our stocks. So there's a degree of oversight there. And then two, it comes down to what I said before. We want business models that we think are going to be durable, uh, that they're going to have a degree of pricing power because the demand for their product is high. And those that have the financial strength to kind of, as I said before, enable them to, to ride out a storm uh, to the degree that, for example, the one that we're experiencing now, that to us is a very, very important component to all this. So you take year like last year where I'm not taking any victory laps here, Jeff, but I'm just trying to mention it because you never take victory laps in this business of ours. In 2019, strong year, uh, the S&P was up 31.49. This particular portfolio was up 33%. So we were able to outperform. In a period like this year, where the S&P is down 12.83%, this is as of yesterday's close, this portfolio was down 7.82. Again, cold comfort, I know, when, when the markets are down, but the fact that we've outperformed by 5% in a down market, what we aim to do is give access to these, what we call exceptional companies, but we, we want to do it in a risk-aware way to where we participate on the upside, but we're going to protect on the downside. And you noted this before, if you just buy the broad stock market index, yes, you're going to get pretty close to the market's returns and the ups, but boy, you're going to get it all when things go down if you were to buy just say an index fund. This is where I would jump in and say past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Yeah, I think it's a byproduct of these companies that are on the right side of change with good financial strength that allows us to participate in the fund. Okay, great. I want to kind of take a step back here and kind of wrap it up. I know your time's valuable and you probably have a lot of these calls happening. So bigger picture, we're just starting to get into earnings season. Granted, it's not probably the quarter that's going to mean as much as next quarter, but kind of your thoughts on the earnings season. Some states are talking about starting to possibly reopen and what that may mean to the economy. If I get your thoughts there, it'd be great. Yeah, sure. Just like a lot of the economic numbers, you know, the profit numbers are, are not going to be pretty just given the, the, the order of magnitude of the shock. But Mr. and Mrs. Market are very, very smart. And as you as we all know, they're looking ahead. You know, they, I think a lot of people have acknowledged, and I'm not dismissing it, the numbers are, are going to be tough. For first quarter, in a lot of cases, the, the, a lot of the business was booked by mid-March, and this is really where this ensued. So say, let's call it just this whole year is going to be, going to be tough. But what we've seen in some cases is, yes, people have acknowledged that the market sell-off has reflected that to some extent. I'm not going to say completely, but we've seen other companies deliver well. We had Abbott Labs the other day come out with a pretty good number and what they see coming ahead. They haven't given us, a lot of companies are withdrawing guidance, some are not, but you've had some exceptions where some of these companies, again, had that combination of financial strength and demand for their product coming through this should do well. This year is going to be difficult, but if we're right, with all the stimulus that we have to try to get this, and to your point, Jeff, in terms of this, re this gradual reopening of the economy, people get back to work, I think you could see demand picking up, especially if we have a sense that if it's through testing, et cetera, that we could have this thing under control. I believe there's going to be a bit of a cabin fever component. I mean, just anecdotally, uh, we, you know, living in an apartment, uh, as I've been doing more recently, because I just recently moved, I'm ready to get out there and do some things. When we know that the, we could step out of the boat and we're going to find rocks and we can be safe, I think people are going to go out there and, uh, and start spending again. 
What that means is if we start seeing that work into place and with the market being so forward looking, stocks would react accordingly. This year, the profit picture is going to be, as I said, pretty tough. But if we're right that the stimulus, we could put some control on the coronavirus and we do see some degree of recovery, the profit picture next year is going to look a whole lot better. But again, I emphasize this, the setup is likely to be a bit different uh, and you want to be on the right side of change. I'll just say, you know, there's no analog to what's happened. I just remember back in 9-11 when that hit. I don't know if you all remember, but a lot of people were saying, oh, people are not going to go out. They're going to be cocooning. I think that was the term that was really prevalent. And then once we got out of that, the travel just spiked. And I'm not saying that's going to happen this time, but you know, one of the things we've seen in some surveys uh, in China is an example. The demand for cars in terms of just having a private car versus taking mass transit, the surveys are indicating more people are like, uh, I'm going to have my own car. So yeah, that could have implications for more people maybe driving and some of the investments we have in the portfolio that make cars safer and smarter in terms of selling the components that do that, they could be beneficiaries if we see something like that pick up. So regardless of this, the coronavirus, again, we want to be on these companies who have good trend line and demand for their products. In a lot of cases, even on the other side, what's life going to look like on the other side of this? We think these companies are pretty well positioned to take advantage of it. Awesome. We're going to wrap it up with that. Walt Zeiske, Senior Portfolio Strategist with Alliance Bernstein. Thanks for your time. I also want to give a shout out to Mike Cheskis, someone who I'm involved with on a very often basis for getting this set up for us. Again, Friday with Mooney Lions. Next week, we'll talk a little bit of international investing. The week after that, we'll talk about some fixed income. In the meantime, if you have questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Also, if you are interested in getting into more details on the CARES Act or something like that, if you're a business owner and kind of wonder what that paycheck protection plan looks like, we've been doing a lot of podcasts. They're all up on our website, moonylines.com. Just click on podcasts. I think we have seven or eight of them up there for you to review. Walt, again, thank you for your time. Jeff, my pleasure. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Triad Hybrid Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Mooney Lions Financial Advisors and Triad Advisors, LLC are not affiliated.